Welcome to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, where our goal is to connect listeners to the great outdoors with hosts Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. I'm host Ben Brandell, owner of Meant to Be Outdoors, instructor of outdoor skills, and passionate about personal growth. I'm host Brian Hoffmeyer, wildlife biologist and avid outdoorsman. Welcome back to another episode of the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. It is Myth Monday. We have a great episode for you guys. Hopefully this episode will help everyone stay more safe when they are spending and enjoying time outdoors. We're going to be talking about some local plants that we get asked about very, very often. Right, Ben? Probably one of the most common questions we get. Yeah, I think it's such a concern to keep people from going out into the wilderness. It does. It it definitely keeps people... um, from, from doing things that they probably are interested in doing. Um, you know, we recently had an episode that we, we talked about going out and enjoying the stream and, and wade fishing. And, and one of the things that you have to look out for that you should know before you go out is poison what poison ivy, ivy looks like, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So, Ben, what is the myth that we're busting today? What are, what are we going to be helping people better understand? We are trying to help people better understand that you don't have to stress out about poison ivy poison sumac and poison oak being all in the same area everywhere you're stepping and everywhere you go yeah we get asked all the time well how do i differentiate between poison sumac poison ivy poison oak isn't that poison oak isn't that poison ivy well most of the time particularly where we're teaching we we don't really have to worry about any of those except for poison ivy and there's only a small portion of the very east coast of the u.s that has to worry about all three so people really uh, need to understand geographically where these plants exist learn that plant and how to avoid it and how to prevent it how to treat it when you get it um, but so many people think that we have all three of those and in, in all across the u.s and we we just really don't so what is the largest one which one are we gonna probably be impacted the most by uh, that and that's definitely poison ivy it, it's common throughout the u.s there's there's two variants you have the western and the eastern um, with the exception of alaska and hawaii and a few parts of the west coast poison ivy is pretty much everywhere great that's good to hear brian do I sense a little sarcasm there? A little bit. Yeah, it it really is uh, kind of everywhere. So if you're going to learn one of the three and pick one to learn, no matter where you live in North America, I would pick poison ivy to learn um, exactly what that looks like and, and how to stay away from it. Uh, but people also worry a lot about um, when we're out on program, doing overnight trips or uh, people uh, email in, ask questions, whatever it is, people want to know about poison oak and poison sumac and speaking particular to where we are at in southern missouri you have to go all the way down to the arkansas line before you'll start finding poison oak Um, and it's not as prolific as poison ivy is so if you're um, north of that then then you really shouldn't worry and then poison sumac is only going to exist in really wet swampy areas you've got to get down to like louisiana mississippi alabama florida up into that east coast these coastal swampy wet areas before you're going to find poison sumac. Yeah, and on poison oak, in the Boot Hill of Missouri, there are people that have identified and found there in Missouri. So we do have technically some in Missouri, but we mainly have poison ivy. That's the one that uh, we see and come in contact with all the time. Right, so let's go ahead and and break down for each one exactly where in North America that, that people are going to find these. So again, Poison ivy, with some exceptions, like really close to the Pacific on the west side, California, Hawaii, and Alaska, pretty much the rest of the continental U.S. is going to experience poison ivy. You have western poison ivy, which is your ground only. Your eastern poison ivy, which is going to be ground and climbing vine, and it can really climb, right? Like 
huge uh, 60 feet 60 feet in yeah. the air hairy roots climbing up i mean it gets way way up there but it that can be tricky because it also grows like bushes on the ground it right? does right if it doesn't have a place to climb it will become bush-like and look like a, a shrub or bush there right so pretty much unless you're in california hawaii or alaska you need to learn what poison ivy looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as poison oak, it's a much smaller range. So if you're in California, you don't need to worry about poison ivy, but you do need to worry about poison oak. So you need to learn that. Uh, all the West Coast um, states like Washington and Oregon, about the western half of those states, all of California, the very western edge of Nevada, and the very western edge of Arizona as well. Then when you get into the Atlantic poison oak, you're looking at, all of Arkansas, Louisiana, Georgia, Mississippi, uh, South Carolina, North Carolina, the, the northern part of Florida, and on up the east coast until about Pennsylvania. Wow, that's a, that's a big stretch. It is, but you're leaving out a lot of that Midwest, um, a lot of those northern states, and then a huge, huge part of the, the western U.S., except for when you get over to those uh, Pacific Coast states. And for poison oak, does it climb? Is it going to climb up to 60 feet like poison ivy does? So it does vine, but it's going to be more common as a bush. And as it's vining, it's more of a ground vine. It's not going to climb way, way up in the tree. So if you if you see uh, leaves of three, let it be climbing way up in a tree. It's going to be poison ivy, not poison oak. That's, right. That's, that's a good. really really yeah. good point. Um, as far as poison sumac, this is mainly going to be uh, your southeastern and northern U.S. So if you're looking at a map of that, you're going to find that it's going to be in those really wet areas so you're going to have to have a lot of water and moisture around louisiana mississippi alabama the southern part of georgia most of florida except for the very very tip as you get down there uh, to the gulf and again going all the way up the east coast even in maine you can you need to worry about sumac and it even wraps around those great lake states as well so great lakes over to those east coast states and then over to louisiana and then the very eastern part of texas a little bit and a little bit into Arkansas. But once you get basically Missouri, most of Texas, Oklahoma, all that, all the way west, poison sumac is not a concern. Now, we have dry. sumac, but we don't have poison sumac. Yeah, we have a we have a couple different. We have aromatic sumac, we have wing sumac, but we're not going to have poison sumac. Now, are they leaves of three? Because that's, that's what we've been using. So No, uh, poison sumac is going to be 7 to 13 leaves per stem. So that's going to be the easiest. It's going to have smooth edges on the leaves right. and, and not serrated. So... That's really the easiest one. When it comes to sumac, what's hard is to differentiate the types of sumac. But differentiating sumac from poison ivy and poison oak isn't too tough. Now tell me if I'm wrong. When I was a kid and I was told, hey, that's poison sumac, stay away. Mm -hmm. I now know that that was never the case. You now know it's false. Right, it's false. Um, But how I was able to, to identify it is that the leaves, especially in the fall, would have this beautiful red color i'm talking beautiful and then it would turn shades and usually kind of get like a dark red till it died um but then i was able to identify that plant so then in the spring i knew what i was looking for Mm -hmm. so are there any of the ways to help identify that for people that are looking for you know looking out for poison sumac for for poison sumac um the best way to identify it is is going to be the 7 to 13 it's going to grow as a shrub as a small or a small tree Uh, the leaves are going to come to a point and it's going to have smooth edges. And if it's in a wet, swampy area and you see those things, then it's probably best to stay away from it. A lot of times you'll kind of see a red stem on those plants as well. 
And then white berries, do they have? They have white berries. Correct? So all the other sumac plants, when they have berries, have colored berries. Right. When you get to poison sumac, white clusters. That's good. Yeah. So if you if you get into some, you're like, I know it's sumac, but I'm not sure. The problem is, is that these plants don't always have berries on them. Mm-hmm. So that's only when they're bearing fruit that you can use that, and it's kind of a short short window that you can even even use that for. Um, poison ivy, though, that, that's another thing with poison ivy. Uh, when those leaves are growing in the spring. I've kind of got that reddish color, and then in the summer they get more into the green, and then they really turn some vibrant yellow and orange colors in the fall. They're really pretty, but you don't really want to get close enough to take pictures and see how pretty that they really are. Um, so let's talk a little bit about um, really differentiating between poison oak and poison ivy because the areas that those are going to overlap uh, down in the southern U.S., you need to be able to tell those apart. Um, and something I want to point out, the only place, this is our myth, the only place that you have to worry about poison oak, poison ivy, and poison sumac, basically if you started in Louisiana, started driving east through those southernmost states in the United States, and then up the east coast to Pennsylvania, those are the only states in the United States that you have to worry about all three. Mm-hmm. If you're anywhere else, you don't have to worry about all three. But the two most difficult ones to distinguish from each other or poison ivy and poison oak because they are both usually leaves of three, right? Right. So why don't you help us a little bit understand the differences in those because people definitely want to be able to tell the difference. Start with poison ivy. Okay. I have found poison ivy leaves as big as a huge shoe. Like yeah. a, I'll say Dinner a size 12, almost. 13 shoe. It's They're huge. Mm-hmm. But majority of the time when people... Well, majority of the time, I think people are used to the poison ivy leaves that are, you know, the size of maybe your fist mm-hmm. or smaller. Those smaller leaves, when you come across them, you're two, there's going to be leaves of three on one stem. So we have one stem coming up, two coming off the side, you have three. That's it on that one stem. The, the outer leaves look like mittens. So you have your thumb coming out with the rounded top. Looks like mittens. And then the middle leaf. Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> but the middle leaf has if you put two mittens on top of each other, it has the two thumbs coming out and it's rounded. Mm-hmm. You're going to find that a lot with your little leaves, but as it as that leaf gets bigger, especially as it's getting up to 60 feet, the big tall vines that are coming up, you don't find mittens anymore. It's just rounded, yeah. coming to a point. A little bit serrated edge of the leaf. Right. And it's tricky. It is. Because a lot of people are always looking for the leaves of three that have the mitten. What about style that stem shape. color? That can kind of be a giveaway sometimes. Yeah, it'll too. be red. Right. Definitely get red in that color. Um, so, box elder. Box elder is, yeah. is, is a tree, and it likes the same kind of soil areas as poison ivy. And the end, sometimes box elder um, has a group of three leaves. And it's a similar shape, but if you really look close, it's not quite the same shape. But the stem of box elder is going to be green. And on poison ivy, where it's going in, the stem goes into the leaves, is going to be more reddish in color. That's a good way to distinguish those two. And when it is in that viney shape as it's climbing, I'm talking about poison ivy as mm-hmm. it's climbing, um, the the vine itself is hairy. Yeah, and, and, so, and the hairy is really the little tiny roots. That's those climbing roots, but it does it does appear like it's growing hair. And so then on the other side, a lot of people think that Virginia creeper, which has five leaves, mm-hmm. it's hairy as well. And a lot of times we'll we'll get confused and think that it, that it's the same thing. Right. Yeah. And those are the Virginia creeper, and then there's also uh, the winter creeper as well. And people get those confused. Really, a lot of times any any vine going up a tree once people learn that about poison ivy they see any vine going up a tree they 
because it, it stinks to get, they they jump to that conclusion better safe than sorry. That's poison ivy. Yeah. Um, but a lot of times it's not. So it a lot it's so good to learn because so many situations you don't need to be fearing you don't need to be missing out on these areas these opportunities because it's not always poison ivy that is correct yeah. but it does seem like when i find poison ivy that has completely taken over the area that's and you get in some of those river bottoms and my goodness it is just everywhere um and it's it is better to steer clear of there because sometimes it'll be it is just so vigilant that it it grows in masses of other plants so you could be walking through and not even see it and it rubs on you so if you see some around there's more around and and really need to stay out of that area so what is it though because why are we wanting to to not touch that plant what is it that's impacting so all all three of these plants have what's called urushal oil in them and that's that's what makes us itch some people are allergic and some aren't um what what's crazy is there's definitely a spectrum yeah there's there's a spectrum for sure uh some people it, it affects them none some people will get a little bit of a rash and when i was a kid <laughs> laughing growing up saying that if i got if it breathed on me i would get poison ivy right which obviously isn't true you actually have to contact the oil you can't just walk by it and it not actually contact you and get it but um that oil can really affect people um in bad bad ways for sure and sometimes you're going to see within minutes or hours this rash um, sometimes it's a few days and sometimes it can take up to a week after you've been exposed to it before you actually start to see a rash. Um, what does that rash look like, Ben? You know, it's, it's, uh, I'm going to say linear, yeah, linear bumps. Um, as it's doing its thing, um, it does kind of get oozy, especially mm-hmm. cause people start scratching it. It itches. It's very itchy. Um, you know, that oil, if it's on you, as you're itching it, if you stop the oil on you, now it's on your fingers. And as you touch another part of your body, you can definitely move that oil around upon you. You, you can, um, once you have poison ivy, um, once you get the oil on you, if, if you're, by the time your rash shows up, hopefully you've, you've showered or bathed. Correct. Yeah. Um, and once you do that, the oil is not on you. Right. And this is another myth surrounding all three of these plants. And that myth is that it can be spread from person to person. And I used to be told this as a kid. Uh, well, don't touch so-and-so. They have poison ivy. Uh, don't rub up against anybody. They, mm. they have poison ivy. And that is not true. It couldn't be further from the truth. Touching someone else's poison ivy, once the oil, once you've taken a shower and bathed, and once that oil is gone, it the touching the rash does not give you Correct. poison ivy. Yeah, it's that oil for sure. And same way if your pet your pet walks through it and you're touch, touching your pet, you're getting that oil directly on you from them. And that is a wild thing about the animals is that mm-hmm. the pets, most pets don't react to poison ivy so if your pet has been out going through the forest um they could have that on them and, and you're not going to know because they're not reacting so if you're going to bring them in the house or interact with them pet them whatever it is if you know they've been out running through that stuff you need to give them a bath you need yep. a bath with soap and water it is an oil so water itself is not going to do enough you need to have some kind of detergent that's going to break that oil down to get it off of their their fur what's crazy about animals is there's animals that can even eat it Yes, deer in particular love to browse poison ivy. It's soft and palatable. Um, a lot of animals eat it. A lot of insects. Uh, there's a lot of animals that, that browse it and eat it. Yet, us stinking humans. We can't we, deal with it. We can't, we can't get near it. Definitely do not eat it. Um, is it possible to uh, get it off of like clothes? So say you're, you're wearing jeans and you, and you walk through and then you get home and you're taking those jeans off. Can you get it from that? Or, Absolutely, and that's what I was kind of talking about when you're itching a leg if you still have it on your fingers because I've been on backpacking trips where we've got into it, 
well, we jumped in the creek, but that doesn't do a whole lot, right? So yeah. it's still on our clothes. It's still on a, on us. And as I'm scratching and it's right, you can move it around your body. Yeah. Um, so you got to be careful. You stay away from it, stay out of it, so you don't have to worry about washing it off. But that is what you must do is to go wash it. And you kind of graphically described for a second the, the blistering and oozing when you scratch it. Yeah. <laughs> and it does do that. Um, but what I want to point out there that is that's not the plant oil. That's your body's reaction. That's your your body fighting that, um, and that does not spread the rash either. So if you see somebody's oozing poison ivy, as gross as it is, it is not going to spread poison ivy to uh, any anybody else. That's right. Now it does stay on that clothing. So if you got home, took them off, laid them in the floor somewhere in your laundry room, took your shower, you want a couple, you know, back a couple days later to go throw it into the washing machine. Now you can come in contact with it again. Right. So. And then, like you were saying earlier, some people may not have an allergic reaction to it for up to a week. Some people, they feel like it's instant. They walk through it, and now they're starting to get bumps. So mm-hmm. it is kind of on that spectrum. It kind of depends your your allergy to it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if you keep coming in contact with that oil, whether it be your pets or your clothing or, or your tent, you know, I've actually placed a tent on top of... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it's a, a field, <laughs> a did field you, of poison Did you ivy. know you were doing this? I did. Okay. I did because it doesn't impact It uh-huh. doesn't impact me <laughs> yet. That just sounds so crazy to me that, that you would even get that close to it. But, yeah, we, we camped on top of it, and it was on that tent, you know. And Which tent was that? I need to know which tent not to ever share with you. <laughs> You've already slept in it, buddy. Okay. <laughs> Great. I guess you must have washed it because I didn't get any. <laughs> Uh, so let's talk about prevention. There are there are things you can do to to help you and your family to keep from getting this. Um, and the first thing that we're talking about is to know each of these plants, be able to identify them, but don't stress if it's not where you live or where you're recreating. Um, but I should point out that if you're going to travel, know know these plants for that area and 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 learn to identify them. But uh, for here in the Ozarks, if you learn poison ivy. You, you're good. Unless you're going to start getting down into the Arkansas Ozarks, um, you don't need to worry about poison oak. So learn poison ivy, keep an eye out. And if you're ever in question, if you see leaves of three and you're in question, then of course, stay, stay away from it. People say if leaves of three, let it be. For me, I, I have learned that to very, very quickly be able to identify it. So there's no mistake because I don't, I don't want to miss on out on opportunities. Um, if somebody else is going down a trail and I see leaves of three, I want to know, well, that's just box elder. Let's go. Right. Let's go on through it. What, why it's important for us to know is when we're guiding trips, we want to keep our people safe. When I'm also taking my kids, family members, friends out, even if they're not, I want to educate them to let them know, hey, this is what it is mm-hmm. in case you are. But then even if they're not allergic to it, then I want the, I want to help them be able to identify it. Right. Yeah. And it's really good to to, to learn to share with other people. And it's mm-hmm. something we share all the time, um, whether we're asked or not, because we we care about people and we want them to be protected. Another one we already we already mentioned uh, your pets, but if they've been outside running through the forest or anything like that, wash them when they come back in because pets they're they're not sensitive to these oils, but it, it's going to stick to their fur and it's going to cause a reaction on you. You don't want them getting on your couch or in your bed or anything like that. Um, as soon as possible, if you think you've been exposed, you need to get cool water. Do not get hot water. Get cool water um, and a little bit of soap. Uh, dish soap is really good because it really breaks down those oils. And wash those areas, but make sure you're washing 
outside the area where you think you've been exposed because a lot of times you won't even realize uh, uh, where all you've brushed at. So if you think you've got it on your hand, wash all the way up to your elbow. Make sure you're getting all that off. Um, and the sooner and faster that you do that, the better you're going to be uh, because, again, those reactions can take up to a week. So if that oil is on you, if you can make it to water and soap and get that off of you, then you're going to have a chance of not getting that rash. And that rash can be pretty devastating. Yes. Also, we haven't talked about burning it yet, but Ooh. inhaling it. That's pro- This is probably the most dangerous thing with any of these. Right. And that goes for actually all three. You don't want to burn any of them because no. of that oil. That oil is what's going to impact you. So inhaling any of that, um, man, you get it in your lungs, it can kill you. Yeah. And, you know, there may be some people like you, Ben, like it doesn't affect them, but you can you can die from this. It's very, very rare, but it's not... It's not crazy or unheard of to end up in the hospital um, from inhaling it, or some people react so badly or they get they get it over their whole body that they end up in the hospital. Mm-hmm. They're so miserable. Infection is a huge risk because you are scratching your bacteria under your fingernails. It is a load of bacteria under your fingernails. It's nasty and disgusting. We could do a whole podcast about that, but... When you're scratching, you're just exposing open wounds to that. And infection is a huge deal. So when people get poison ivy all over their body or breathe it in, they end up in the hospital. It happens here in the Ozarks all the time. Our wives work in healthcare. They see it. This time of year, my wife is treating patients with steroids for terrible poison ivy infections weekly, if not daily sometimes. Hmm. Yeah, and steroid, that is a treatment. That's, Correct. That's what's going to happen when you go to the hospital. Yeah, or, or, or there's even over, over-the-counter ones as well. But definitely do not burn it. If you are going to be breaking or burning leaves, then be aware of what you're burning because even after these leaves are falling off the plant, they still have the oil in them, guys. So if it's the fall and you're raking and, and burning leaves, you've got to be sure there's not poison ivy in it because it can really, really affect you. You do not want that inside your organs. Um, and your skin is even more susceptible and thin uh, in your nasal cavity and mouth and throat and, and all that. So be, it, it happens. It sounds crazy, but it, it really, really does. That's so really good advice. Let's say you're like me. You messed up. You got some poison ivy. How do we how do we treat it? How do we take care of it? What's the best thing that you can do at home? Well, you, you've shared it. You've, you've covered it really in detail. I think I would add there are some, some soaps that are made. So you talked about Dawn, but there mm-hmm. are some soaps. I cannot think of the name right now, but... Well, lye um, soap is one. It's really going to dry it out. Well, it's there's a soap that's supposedly helped to yeah remove the oil. There's mm-hmm. a couple brands that I've seen before, but to be honest with you, I've never been impacted that much that I've had to worry about that. So for me, I'm more cautious because of other people. So right. you know, if any of my, I don't even know if my kids are allergic yet. Yeah. And Maybe they have walked through it, but when they're with me, I make sure they don't. So I don't know what impact it's going to have on them yet. And what stinks about it is you're really just treating symptoms. There's no right. like, there's nothing you're going to put on it that just makes it go away. You've got to let your body do its thing um, to get rid of it. So you're just treating symptoms, trying to be comfortable um, while your body is healing. So some some things you can do is cold. The colder, the better. Um, cold, wet claws to compress is a great way. Topical steroids that you can get over the counter. Um, you can just go to Walmart and, and get uh, hydrocortisone cream or something like that and rub that on there. That's going to help. If it becomes unbearable, then you do need to go to the doctor. You can take oral steroids or they'll even give you, for severe cases, they're going to give you shots. They're going to give you shots um, of the really strong steroids. 
a lot of times that works really, really good for like 12 to 24 hours, and then you're right back where you left off. Mm. Um, but mm. maybe that's enough relief to get you over it. Um, but definitely, if, if you're scratching and miserable, then then go see a, a physician because they can help you. Yeah, and some other ways, uh, Brian and Astor we were talking earlier about how you can prevent that. So wear long-sleeved shirts, wear long pants, wear covered shoes, you know, wear gloves if you think you're going to be exposed around this stuff. Um, that's just so important. That's, that's really the best way to prevent it if, mm-hmm. after identifying it and staying away from it. So, um, keep yourself clothed covered and then make sure you're not touching that, um, until it's washed and cleaned and dried. The last thing I want to share is that poison oak, poison sumac and poison ivy. They, when you find some for all three, you're going to find a bunch. Um, poison sumac is actually pretty rare, even in those areas we said that you find it, but typically when you do find it, there, there is a bunch. So, people that own property, uh, what you want to know is how to keep it off your property, right? I know here on my property that uh, I have a little bit of it each year and I have to to control it because it can completely take over. The more you have, the worse it's going to be and the more um, byproduct plants you're going to have to kill, plants that you don't want to kill to get rid of it. So try to catch it, find it early. There's really only two things you can do. You're going to use herbicide. You don't want to get in there and try to pull it. Um, Whether you're you're for or against herbicides, um, follow the directions, do your safety protocols. 2,4-D is a broadleaf selective herbicide that is only going to kill broadleaf plants. So if it's climbing up a tree, spray down from the tree leaves to the ground. Don't get it on the tree leaves because you can damage that tree. Um, But if you are able to spray those leaves down to the ground, then you're going to be able to take care of that plant. If you can get a long saw, and you can see that main vine going up the tree, you can cut that vine. Be careful because a lot of times they're so grown into the tree that you can cut the cambium of the tree and kill the tree as well. But if you can cut that vine, you can kill it going up. Um, The third option, which is kind of a radical one, you can buy goats. That's a good one. Goats will wipe it out. It Mm -hmm. it works if you're in a rural area and you want to buy goats. Um, You can buy goats and they will absolutely wipe out poison ivy. I want to clarify the chemical you said because... It confused me a long time ago when you started saying 240. Yeah. It is 2-4-D as in dog. D as in dog, the letter right. D. There's another form of it that is 2-4-D-B. 2-4-D-B um, is going to be uh, quite, not quite as strong because it does not affect legumes. Legumes are broad-leaved. But if so, uh, something like clover, if you're spraying in an area that has clover that you like or something like that, 2,4-DB won't kill that, but it will kill other broad leaves. But if you really want to make sure you're killing poison ivy and it can be tough to get rid of, you want 2-4-D as a dog. 2,4-D, not 240. That's right. Well, I hope this clears some things up for you guys and that maybe you're going to go out and enjoy the outdoors with not as much worry. If you want help identifying, please send us pictures of plants that you're worried about. We'd be glad. Seek is an app that we use to help us identify things in the field. Uh, If we have questions, you literally just take a picture of it and the app's going to tell you um, what it is. So if it tells you that it's something poisonous, go ahead and stay away from it. Again, when in doubt, uh, stay out. So Uh, follow us on social guys we're posting videos about all of this stuff we're going to do a comparison video of box elder and poison ivy um, as this podcast comes out so follow us on facebook instagram tiktok hit that automatic download on whatever platform you listen leave us reviews for the podcast if you like what we're doing if you feel like we're helping you 
uh, feel safer to go enjoy the outdoors, we'd love for you to join us and be a member on Patreon. You can become a $5 or $10 patron, and we would greatly appreciate your support. Well, that is it for this episode of the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. We hope between now and our next episode that you find time to get outdoors with your family and friends and look out for Leaves of Three. Thank you for listening to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, hosted by Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. Please help us by subscribing. Also, follow along on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook.